Hi, and welcome to the new Feminine Revolution podcast. This is a space for women who want to live with deep self-love, personal responsibility, and purpose. I am your host, Carolina Zuleta, and I'm an expert in helping women create extraordinary lives. I'm excited to have you join us. Hi, and welcome to episode 19 of the New Feminine Revolution podcast. I'm so happy to be with all of you here. And today we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Christina Campbell. She is an empowerment and pleasure guide, and she's inspired to help women cultivate their authentic sexuality as a means to healing, wholeness, and connection with spirit. Christina comes from a breadth of experience and has transformed her life and relationship through the work of deep sexual connection. Coming from a chaotic childhood that included toxic marriages, verbal abuse, body shaming, and sexual trauma, her path was fraught with negative experiences around sexuality. After years of searching for what would fill the void of pain and loss, her path kept coming back to sexual healing. Over years of therapy, spiritual work, sexual reclamation, and marital communication, Christina has transformed her relationship to herself and to her partner. I am so grateful with Christina to be here today with us. I think we can all learn so much from her because I know we all have some sexual healing at some level we all have to do. So Christina, welcome to the November Revolution. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's an honor to be here with you today. So I met Christina about a week ago, I think, at an event we both were. And I was very inspired when she stood up in front of a big audience and shared about what her mission was. And and I think it's a topic that now we're seeing like all these claims of sexual abuse happening and, and the voices of women being heard. And I think it also comes in like very subtle ways that we've all have had moments where we felt uncomfortable or parts of our sexuality that we haven't healed. So I was just inspired and by her work because I think it's very important. So Christina, where I'd love to start today is, you know, as I shared in the intro, you, you had, your life has been in a way like affected by sexuality. And it's been like, I always believe that people, we have like our own test in life. For me, it has been around food and body image. And that has been my path to being more free to loving myself more. And for you, it's been around sexuality. So if you can start, where, where does the story start for you? Yes, you're absolutely right. My path has been all about sexuality um, ever since a really, really young age. Um, so it starts when I was really young. I mean, my first memories around um, being shameful and ha- cre- having shame around sexuality is at five years old. So my father was in the porn industry. He was not a porn star, but my family had um, porn shops. Um, And so I was overexposed to pornographic material, obviously at a really, really young age. Um, I I remember talking to my father about it and he just thought that, you know, I would never remember those things. So obviously as a toddler, I was exposed not to the actual videos, but the covers and Mm -hmm. the magazines and just the pictures themselves. So around five, um, I was being babysat by a woman at, I was like five and a half. And I kept getting her child to come um, underneath the bed with me and taking her clothes off 
and actually performing oral sex on her child who was like three or four at the time. And I was five. Mm-hmm. And um, the, so the, the, the time that we were caught, we were caught multiple times naked and shamed mm-hmm. for it. And then we were caught, I was caught red handed, like performing oral sex on her daughter. And she called my mother to come pick her up and to come pick me up and said that she would never babysit me again. Mm. And I could never go back there. I was completely shamed that what I was doing was wrong. And I was just acting out something that I had been exposed to. And immediately at that young age, I knew that sexuality was bad and wrong and shameful and dirty. And I was not going to be loved if I expressed it. I was going to be rejected. And my mother, she told me, she's like, it's okay. I remember driving in the car with her when she came to pick me up from the house. And she told me that it was okay, that I didn't do anything wrong, but that didn't matter. I had already experienced the rejection from expressing sexuality. Mm -hmm. So it started really young. And then there was all sorts of um, inappropriate sexual experiences that happened with my father. He never directly touched me, but he really over-sexualized me throughout my uh, whole youth and teenage years and even into my 20s before I finally stood up to him and said, you know, no more. I will mm-hmm. no longer have contact with you um, if you continue to do, to do these things. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it started really young. And there was also this other side of my family. So my parents divorced when I was five and my father's, you know, was overexposed to sexuality on that side. And it was all about being a sexual being that that is what a woman's purpose really was. I mean, he gave me lingerie when I was nine years old and told me I was all grown up now. So he was really grooming my sexuality at a very young age. And then on the other side, my family was very religious. My mother wasn't directly really religious, but we did go to church and all of those aunts and uncles and grandparents and cousins were very religious and start and, and still really are. And so there was the, um, you know, this idea that you don't have sex until you're married, you know, sex is dirty, save it for one that you love. Mm-hmm. And so it was really extreme. I needed to be a sexual, a sexual being in order to be accepted by my father. And I needed to be totally non-sexual in order to be okay with the rest of my family. Contradictory messages. And as a young woman, like, how was that playing? Like, how were you feeling? I mean, I get that it's like these contrary messages and, and noticing like there's something wrong, but how was that shame? How were you experiencing that shame or those feelings? So as a teenager, I was... I was so self-loathing. Oh God, I hated my body so much. I mean, I was raised in Southern California where it was warm. I wouldn't even wear shorts. I wore um, men's thrift store clothing. Like I wore, you know, men's slacks, men's collared shirts, super oversized and baggy. I remember going on a trip to Mexico at 16 years old with a bunch of teenagers and there's a picture of us and they are all in bikinis, all these girls. And I'm there in full slacks and a polo shirt because Mm -hmm. I would not show my body. I was so ashamed of my body and so self-critical and so self-loathing 
Um, I mean, I never, you know, and I had a perfectly, I was of total ideal body weight, totally normal, Mm -hmm. you know, teenage child um, or teenage adolescent. And I, um, it was really extremely painful to show my body when I did fall in, you know, in love and have, you know, adolescent sexual desires coming up. I, I, I mean, it was just, I couldn't be in the moment. I was fraught with shame and fear and how do I look and what are they thinking? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I never really experienced that much sexual connection or pleasure as an adolescent when those things are really starting to come out naturally and express themselves as it, uh, you know, as a child starts mm-hmm. to develop their, um, sexuality, it's all happening in the teenage years, which, you know, is really common for young girls to be, you know, um, self-loathing around their body and their body image, which is really sad, but I, I experienced that deeply. Yeah. So, so this is when you're young and then as you're, you know, in your twenties and all that, how is this, um, theme evolving? Well, um, so I went from, (laughs) from that place to a fully other place, which was around 20 years old. Um, I don't need to tell the whole backstory, but I had this enormous bill that I could not pay a medical bill. And I had, um, I came up with this idea that I was going to be a stripper and go and make that money um, to pay it off. Well, I did. I became a stripper and there was so much money um, there that I stayed for seven years um, dancing all through my 20s from 20 to 27. And there were you know, honestly, it was a mixed bag. I had wonderful experiences there where I really was able to express and explore my own sexuality and actually experience confidence and belief that my body was beautiful and that sexuality was okay. And also to experience the wounds of male sexuality in our culture, that Mm -hmm. men are deeply longing for women. And when women are, you know, oppressed in our society and our sexuality is repressed, we can't bring ourselves fully into the sexual relationship. And men are deeply longing for that as well, to yeah. express themselves fully and to experience the full expression of a woman in sexual connection. And so that really started for me to understand my own sexuality. And after that experience, through the experience of dancing and taking my clothes off for you know, thousands of men, I didn't think I had any issues with sexuality. I thought I, you know, was fully sexually expressed. But then I got into a relationship with my now husband, who I've been with for, um, it'll be 14 years this year. Um, so so before I, we move on to that part of the story, I was just curious, like, what happened from going from the girl who was covering yourself with, like, slacks and big shirts to taking your clothes off in front so of thousands of men. <laughs> so there, um, there I was in college, still dressing um, that way, fully covering myself. And I met this woman. I was in um, a, the theater program. I was, had always been a dancer my whole life. I had danced. And I was in the dance program in college. And she came to me and she was like, why do you dress like this? You're so beautiful. Like, why do you cover yourself? You need to take your glasses off and wear makeup and dress feminine. And she lived in a house with four other women and they took me in like their project. And they, um, they, you know, gave me this huge makeover at their house one day. 
And mm. I stood in the mirror and, and was like, oh, I, I can look like this. And we went out all together and I got all this attention from men, which I had never really gotten before because I had, I had hidden myself so much. Um, and that experience was, you know, with their support was like, oh, I, I am beautiful. I am attractive. I can be feminine. I can express this part of myself. So that was happening in the year or so before this whole, you know, stripping thing came about. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that was like your, your door to, from hiding to showing yourself and starting to express your, and show your body and, and your femininity and your sexuality. Yes. Yes. And in, was that in that moment, did you feel it was like healing? Like, was it helpful for you? It was this beautiful experience with these women supporting me because, you know, so often in our society, like there's this comparison or this competition between women where we compare ourselves or we think, oh, I'm not as pretty as she is. Or, and it was this overt expression of these women around me saying, you're beautiful you are so beautiful. Don't hide yourself. You are a gift. You know, it's Mm -hmm. basically telling me you are not serving the world by hiding. Mm -hmm. And, and that was this, there was definitely a moment of transformation where I could, I started to really trust women Mm -hmm. and trust that sisterhood of support and really being reflected in this really beautiful way. Because actually through Um, my adolescence, I had really toxic female friendships and I didn't have much trust with women before this group of women came into my life. Got it. All right. So then moving, you know, to when you met your husband, let's pick up the story there. Yeah. So I met my husband when I was 24 and I was still dancing um, and he supported me and he loved me, even though that is what I was doing. And I actually danced for the first three years of our relationship. And during that time is when I basically had a lot of excuses. I was like, Oh, I'm not interested in sex or um, being touched because I'm just overtouched at work. That was my excuse. I'm overtouched. Mm-hmm. I'm overtouched. And it was, it was his fault. He needed to learn how to touch me in a way that was going to open me up and where I didn't feel groped. you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that we have this idea in our, in our culture that you know, a man is just supposed to know how to touch you. A man, Mm -hmm. you know, if he's the right man for you, if he's the right sexual match, you're supposed to have chemistry and he's supposed to be able to touch you in a way that's just going to open you up and you never even have to tell him, you know, how you want to be touched. Mm -hmm. And I was really stuck in that idea, in that myth, because that that is absolutely not true. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is that there was such an unwillingness in me because I, I really thought I had no issues with sexuality and had no intimacy issues. But what happened is that when I was deeply loved and there was true risk in the relationship, like I'm deeply committed and in this partnership and there's true vulnerability, like I needed to really be seen and expose myself that's when I realized that I was running for the hills. Mm. <laughs> I didn't want anything to do with that risk of vulnerability. And so to me, see issues were being expressed by blaming him and shaming him 
for not knowing how to touch me. He needed to like figure out the right technique. And, you know, techniques were great, but on the other side of it, I needed to have a willingness to be there. I needed to have a willingness to open up and to speak. And Mm -hmm. for a long time, I didn't, you know, I just had this deep, deep void and longing. And I just kept saying, you know, something's missing. Maybe you're not the one, Mm -hmm. maybe you're not the one. And that was so painful for him because he really wanted to show up for me and him continuing to show up for me and continuing to try, even though I was really hurting him um, with my words over time allowed me to open myself to him because he did love me so much and does love me so much. That is so beautiful. I I really think that love is the best way to heal each other. I also experienced that with my husband, that these things that I was so scared of sharing about, you know, when I would overeat or binge. And the moment I started sharing it with him and he was like, okay, I still love you. I'm still here. They started Mm. like to melt, you know, they started actually to go away. Um, Because I feel there's something about having that, unconditional love and someone stand for you that that it's so healing so so I love that story so in what moment did you realize that it wasn't his fault that there was that you had a part on it I remember I have been a part of this coven of women for 12 years and for 10 years I've been actively meeting with them for once a month And um, we've all, you know, gotten married and had children and there's been divorces and, you know, ruptured friendships and death and holding each other in this really, really sacred space in the the deepest part of our lives. And I remember my, I I call her my spiritual guide, Evelyn. Um, We were in the, the, we sweat together in a sauna. We're in the sauna one day and she makes a statement about, you know, something about loving your body, like really treating your body. Like, let's, let's do this. Let's love ourselves. And I immediately uh, came out with this, this comment of like, oh, but you know, I just had a baby and I, I need to work out and I need to lose this weight, blah, blah. blah. And her comment was, you're not ready. Mm. And in that moment, I, I actually felt really rejected that, you know, she didn't hold this, like some sort of like motherly space for me to say, oh honey, but you are so beautiful and don't you see it and this and that. It's like almost like my comment was asking for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she just said, you're not ready. And that sat with me. Oh God, it sat with me and sat with me for months and months. You're not ready. You're not ready. Until it just clicked with me. Like it's a choice. I have to be willing to love myself. It's that willingness to say, I am no longer going to be stuck in this place. I am willing to move and change and go into a place that I don't know what is there. I've always hated my body. I've never, I, I've never had any other relationship with my body before. I don't, I, I don't know how to be ready. I don't know how to be willing. I don't know what's on the other side of that. 
And I also think that, you know, a lot of women too, and I've talked to women about this before, and I've experienced this too, that how would I connect if I truly loved myself? How would other women and men in society receive me? If I was true, you know, would I be too much? Oh, mm-hmm. she just is all like obsessed with herself <laughs> and egotistical and, oh, she just, that you know, like conceited. Mm-hmm. And so it's like we only have those two things. Either we're judging somebody else because they're conceited and, you know, full of themselves or we connect on this level of, oh yeah, I know, I really need to work out too and I feel that same way too and oh God, you know, I'll love myself when. Mm-hmm. So in that moment of realizing like of her telling me you're not ready, I realized that this was a choice mm-hmm. and that if I ever wanted to be ready, I had to choose to relate to myself and relate to other women in a different way, in a whole new way. I love that. Self-love is a choice we make. Yes. And, and, and- And it's so true, right? Because we can choose to stay in self-loathing or embark in this journey of self-love that for me, I remember like when I was like, okay, I want to do this because I always also was in a, I hate my body, all that story. I didn't know how to do it. I was like, so someone tell me how to love myself. And I even remember I got this um, album with affirmations like, I love my legs. I love my toes. And a part of me was saying like, this is not true. BS. Like I don't. (laughs) So I'm curious, how did you learn to love yourself? So you came to the place of like choice and willingness. And then what happened? In that place, I began a process of knowing that I needed to be, so this willingness to be in contact with my partner in a really vulnerable way that even when I felt really shut down and scared that I needed to voice, I just need you to hold me Mm. and to slowly move in to sexual contact, to slow everything down. And that through, you know, being held in that space with my partner, this deep longing, because I I just had this knowing this deep knowing, and I kept expressing it to like, you know, people in my life. I know that my healing has to do with my sexuality. I just know that healing myself on a sexual level and becoming vulnerable and fully authentically sexually expressed, this is my path to truly knowing myself. This is the path to truly loving myself and becoming the greatest version that I am in this Mm -hmm. lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so for me, Loving myself was about being able to be truly vulnerable and seen and loved by another, being seen by another. And Mm -hmm. through being held in that space, it became less and less excruciating to do so. I mean, Mm -hmm. I used to be like lights off only, you know, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I mean, would be like, okay, I will, it was pitch black or I would turn on the bathroom light and just you know, crack out a little ray of light till being able to be sexual in the daylight, in, mm-hmm. in, in full daylight and not be concerned with, you know, me leaning this way or that way or what my body looked like, but to truly be in the moment with my partner. And actually for me, I also did what you're saying about 
these affirmations. I love myself actually having a practice of, you know, putting my hand on my heart and my hand on my belly and taking a deep breath and saying to myself, I unconditionally love myself, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm here for myself and just taking having a mantra and also looking myself deeply in the eyes in the mirror, which was so totally foreign and uncomfortable to me. I remember mm-hmm. the first times that I was doing it, I, I, I wanted to just run away. There was such a deep actual like revulsion and resistance to staring myself deep in the eyes mm-hmm. in the mirror. And so it was just the process of actually looking myself in the eyes that it started with that. And then saying to myself, I love myself. Mm. I love myself exactly where I'm at. And another part of it too was I had all these regrets, all this like regrets about things that I had done or things I had said or ways I had been that I wish I hadn't been. And um, it was another time with my, with my spiritual guide where she said to me, you know, we need to have compassion for every single place that we have been in our lives and forgiving ourselves for ever thinking that we ever did anything wrong. Mm. That every single step that we've taken in our lives has led us to exactly where we're at. Mm. And I know that that's a, a cliche statement, But if you're living in a whole bunch of shame and regret from places that you've been in your past, it is really hard to move forward. And so actually actively practicing forgiveness for things that you've done in your past, not just forgiving others, because I had done things that I had a lot of shame about and Mm -hmm. a lot of regret about. And a lot of them had to do with sexuality when I was not fully expressed and I allowed myself to do things that I did not want to do. Mm -hmm. And some of those were in my teenage years and I had such deep shame about having, you know, done things I didn't want to do and forgiving myself for those things allowed me to actually reclaim that part of my sexuality that Mm -hmm. I could actually go forward and express myself sexually authentically with my partner once I released this shame and disgust for having done those things in moments where I felt manipulated or coerced. Yeah. So, you know, I, I work with many women and of course, sexuality is a big part of our lives and we have conversations and what you're saying resonates with, with a lot of the stories of, I did something I didn't want to do. And I did something I didn't want to do, but I kind of wanted to do it, but I didn't want to like, you know, for some, for some women can be like, I was attracted to him. We started getting sexual, but then like there was a moment where I just wanted to please him. It wasn't really for me. And there's shame around that. Like I just wanted him to approve of me or agree of me. And, and there's shame around that. And we talk about forgiveness and acceptance, right? Like this is the path. This is the journey. This, this is what brought you here as you beautifully said, but I'm curious what other practices we have for forgiving ourselves because for I get that question often like so what do I do how do I forgive myself so do you have any practices you could share I I really do a lot of like child work 
you know, so seeing yourself mm-hmm. at that age and how you would speak to your 16-year-old daughter or niece mm-hmm. or anybody that you absolutely love and adore and cherish. And if they came to you with that, how would you react to them? Would never, I would never say to my 16-year-old child, 15, 14, whatever age, oh my God, you did that? <laughs> you know, would mm-hmm. never respond that way. Yeah. I would say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry that you're feeling yeah. this way, you know, and I would hold them. Yes. So there's all, you know, visualization of you being the person that you are now and holding the innocence and and the ignorance because ignorance is not stupidity it's not knowing Mm -hmm. so holding that naivety and really having compassion for it and saying everything that you need to hear to yourself i love love you Mm -hmm. i forgive you you're so beautiful and vulnerable and you are not broken you are not dirty you are not wrong you are perfect you are pure love mm. and I you are love per- yes and even for any of you listening right now you can just get this little part and let christina's words come to you because i was feeling them as you were saying them mm. like- absolutely i remember when i first did a lot of therapy in my early 20s and i I had such a lonely, I felt so lonely in my childhood. And I felt that I had no voice to ask for my needs and for my wants, that, that I was just a burden. Mm-hmm. There was so much chaos in my childhood. And so reclaiming my voice was a huge part, you know, to be able to ask for my needs to be met. And so in therapy, there was this really so much work done with visualization around the child Mm -hmm. to actually visualize how would you want to have been taken care of? Mm -hmm. This is such important work if you have childhood wounds. And so I would fully flush out these amazing visions and experiences as a child where I would take my awkward, completely dorky 12-year-old where I felt Mm -hmm. so unlovable at that age and take her on the adventure that I so wanted to be taken on, like where we could go shopping and get new Mm -hmm. shoes that I love and get our nails done and go to the ice cream shop and have movies together and, you know, really allow yourself to live in that space and give yourself what you needed then at that time. If you were experiencing shame, loneliness, or lack of connection at any point in your, that's holding you back from yeah. moving forward. And, and in my experience, it's like, of course, people that have, have chaotic childhood stress wounds, but even like I, have a, I had beautiful, loving parents, but there were still misunderstandings mm-hmm. or beliefs or words that were said that I misinterpreted that wounded me, right? Like we all have them. And I think this exercise applies to everyone to just go back. And what I share with my clients is like, you now get to be your own parent. So create that ideal parent that you want for yourself, right? 
with unconditional love, with support, with no judgment, uh, with forgiveness. So, Christina, now that, you know, I love your story and thank you for sharing it. Now let's talk a little bit about the work you're doing now with other women and maybe like talk about different things. For example, I'm thinking of, of my clients and the women in my life. And I know that for some women, they've grown with the religious background, right? Where like sex is wrong. And I still feel like in our society, there's a lot of mixed messages, right? Like express yourself. But if you do, then you're, you know, you're shamed or you're bad or you're too much. Mm-hmm. So for a woman that maybe has come with that and now she has like, she's scared of, or she doesn't even know how to start expressing her sexuality because it's been so suppressed. Where is a good place for her to start? You know, I, this, the best place to start is for, is to really deeply sexually connect with your own body. And so doing breath work where you are just holding, you know, one hand over your heart, one hand over your yoni and just breathing, just mm-hmm. breathing into your yoni and starting to really like make a deep connection with yourself. You know, so many women we have discussed about the way that we look, smell, taste. Mm-hmm. We have not fully, you know, fallen in love with this truly most beautiful uh, place and part of our body. This is, you know, this is the gateway of life. This is the, mm-hmm. the door to life. We have the ability to, you know, create life. And we are all the product of sexual energy. We are all sexual mm-hmm. energy. Everything on this planet is. When you, you know, are adoring a beautiful blossoming rose, that is sexual energy. That Mm -hmm. is the creative life force. And so really knowing that your sexuality is the root of all energy and all beauty that is in this life and on this planet and this earth. And so starting to really see your genitals as beautiful, as a beautiful expression of life. The ultimate expression of beauty is sexuality and your genitals. And so find, falling in love with yourself, taking a mirror and really looking at your genitals and loving yourself and saying, I am beautiful. My yoni and my pussy is in the most beautiful expression of life and sexuality and just sexual energy and creativity. This connection and this step is so huge. It's like you saying, I love my leg. I love my arms. I love myself. Mm -hmm. If we are still disconnected from our sexual, from our genitals, we, we have to take that step. That is like the number one step. And also, you know, I know I just used the word pussy. If you have, if you, you know, are cringing, if that word is not, you know, doesn't sit with you, you can also use the word yoni, but there is really a part of sexuality and especially with women and um, sexuality and genitals where there's medical language and then there's dirty language. Mm-hmm. And we need to reclaim our language around sexuality and around our genitals and find a language that works for you. And when I first started using the word pussy, I, you know, I didn't like it. 
it mm-hmm. was dirty. It was like, oh God, I just, <laughs> uh, you know, mm-hmm. but over time, I, I wanted a word that mm-hmm. I could use to express myself, to talk about my own body. Mm-hmm. And it was vagina is like what you're going to talk about when you go to the OBGYN. <laughs> and so there's really a part of using your voice and reclaiming that language that is huge for loving yourself. If we don't even have the language to talk about our sexuality, how are we going to grow? Yeah. And I, I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why sexuality for women is so charged because we don't even have the language. We don't even have the language. We don't even have the language. So I love that. So looking at ourselves, breathing, loving ourselves, seeing ourselves, because I feel like most women don't even see themselves. So look at themselves. It's, it's like this thing we pretend that we don't have and yes. then reclaiming our language. And then, for example, for someone who is in a relationship and with a someone, you know, they, they know they can trust and they love, but the intimacy, right? Because you were talking about sexuality and intimacy and, and they can be different. Mm-hmm. You know, there's how can they start working in that intimacy with their partners? So everybody's relationship is totally different and you may or may not talk about sexuality, you know, inside the bedroom or outside the bedroom. But, you know, if you are having needs that you want to be met in a new way, you know, you really do have to learn to express yourself. And talking about sexuality is the, you know, is the foundation. So going to your partner and, and expressing to them what you're looking to experience and the ways you're looking to connect, you know, so let's just, bring something up. Let's say you have never allowed your partner to go down on you because you feel dirty, Mm -hmm. but you really do want that. You can talk about it. You can talk about it with your partner and say, I I really do want to experience this and I need to enter it really slowly. And I need to um, have permission to stop Mm -hmm. if I ever feel uncomfortable because part of the process of reclaiming our power, our sexual power, and empowering ourselves sexually is reclaiming your no. Like Mm -hmm. we talked about with women who saying, oh, well, I kind of was attracted to him, but I did this thing and because Mm -hmm. I wanted him to accept me, you know, we can do those things inside of a committed, loving relationship too. Yeah. And so really talking to your partner that's saying, you know, we've been having sex in this way for all this time. And I want to explore having sex in a different way and not allowing yourself to do something that your body is saying that you're not ready for. Mm. And so telling your partner, I'm going to ask you to slow down Mm. or I I might ask you to just hold me. Mm. And that really knowing that the way we grow as human beings is by being interconnected and in relationship with other people. And with, you know, with our parents, with with our sisters, with our children, with our partners. And sexuality is one of the most vulnerable ways that we are in relationship with other people. And so, of course, all of our stuff is going to come up. And we're only given one view of what sexuality is in our culture, which is to rub our bodies together and have this, you know, physical release of ecstasy. Mm -hmm. And 
the truth is, is that sexuality is really so much more than that. And so much emotion can come up when we are deeply connected to what we are experiencing and feeling in a sexual situation. And I just want you to know that it is completely normal to feel sadness, to have tears come up, to feel, you know, ecstatic, to want Mm -hmm. to laugh, to be giddy, to be playful. Um, You know, all the whole range of human emotion can come out in a sexual experience. And so like creating the container with your partner that you, you want to feel safe to express whatever starts to come up for you. And so, you know, my partner and most men, I mean, really good grounded men that I hope anybody is listening, that is listening to this is with a really grounded, solid man and in a healthy relationship. When you're with a solid man, he truly, his biggest desire is to provide for you mm-hmm. and to see you in pleasure and to see you happy and to have your needs be met. Mm-hmm. And so when you tell him that this isn't, you know, that if tears come up, mm-hmm. it's not because I'm sad or disappointed in something <laughs> that you've done, but I just want you, I, I want to be able to express it. Mm-hmm. And you know, hold space for that. And I know that it can totally be awkward the first time that it happens, you know? And you know what? You're reminding me once, you know, my husband and I were talking with with a a coach I had and a mentor in my life and about this. And he said, you know, Carolina Sears is the biggest compliment to you, Andrew. Mm. And it was such a reframe, you know, it was like, oh, actually that vulnerability and sensitivity is such a compliment for, for the men and maybe sharing that with your partners, right? Like I trust you so much that I can go so deep and show you reveal so much of myself. So I love that you're sharing that because this is the, the next question I have is like, where can we, from your, what can you recommend this audience to continue learning and exploring? Because I feel like if it's even like, I've gone out there to look for books and and things. And I feel like there's not a lot of, or I haven't found yet a lot of like good books that I would say I would recommend to my clients Mm -hmm. that are, that are talking with this level of depth and sensitivity that it's not just a how to book, but that it's talking about sexuality in a more deeper way. Do you have any recommendations? Absolutely. Two books that are must reads are Sherry Winston's Women's Anatomy of Arousal. Mm -hmm. And so when you really understand your, you know, sexual reproductive system and your arousal system, Mm -hmm. it is amazingly liberating and empowering. And it is a must read if you want to experience more pleasure and deeper connection in your sexual Mm -hmm. relationship. And there's also this appendix at the back, which is really amazing. She calls it clit notes, the Mm -hmm. clit notes. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, you know, do's and don'ts for men around Mm -hmm. women's sexuality and really, really beautiful. She's got a great, um, just a great style. And then the other one is come as you are by Mm -hmm. Emily Nagowski and more kind of like the neuroscience behind sexuality and really normalizing your sexual 
experience. I mean, she, she basically puts together a whole bunch of different people and creates characters and relationships. And then she goes into these dynamics between relationships and then talks about those dynamics um, and normalizes everything. And if you feel like you are not normal, read this book. And the number one thing <laughs> you're going to take away is I am normal. <laughs> My sexuality is normal. And it is so liberating and so empowering to know that you are. Mm -hmm. And when you bring that knowledge and that energy into your communication with your partner, you, you, you connect, mm -hmm. you are able to, you know, express yourself in a way that, you know, where they hear you. And it's mm -hmm. not coming from a place of anxiety or, um, or, or, or lack of knowledge or un being unsure. I love it. So thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. We're coming to the end of the interview. Is there one message that you would love to share with everyone for them to keep? Um, that if you want more out of your sexuality, follow that path. It will lead you to where you want to be in your life. The connection with yourself, your ex the expression of your true self in all areas of your life. And if you truly desire deep connection in relationship with your partner, exploring and journeying on this path of deep sexual connection and, and expression is, is the way to really feel truly full in this life. Mm, I love it. Thank you, Christina, so much for being with all of us here and sharing your story and the work you're doing. I, I say it one more time. I think it's so important and needed. And as I'm feeling like, and we're all fem feeling the feminine energy show up stronger with a louder voice, I think there's two big qualities of, of women are nurturing, motherly, taking care of others, and our incredible sexual energy that I loved how you you said that you reframed it about sexual energies. Everything comes from sexual energy. Everything that we see around that, that really hit my heart. So thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a beautiful conversation. If you like this episode and want to receive more exclusive content and some personal updates that I only share by email, visit carolinazuleta.com and subscribe to my newsletter. Also, remember I'm on a mission to transform the lives of a million women. So if you liked today's episode, please share it with your mom, your sister and girlfriends or any other woman that you consider could benefit from this information. I'm sending you all my love and stay tuned for more life lessons next week. Bye. <laughs>